0: here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now, they don't wait till later.
1: Hello and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. This is Juliette Lamar. My guests today are Justin Fisher, the co founder and CEO of VeraBlock, along with his partner, Maxwell Sanchez, who is the CTO of VeraBlock. Welcome.
2: Hi, Juliette. Thanks for having us on the show.
1: Of course. It's an honor. Well, I, uh, I am so excited to learn more about VeraBlock. So, why don't you go ahead and, Justin, tell us a little bit about the company?
2: So VeriBlock was uh, co-founded uh, by and between uh, primarily myself and Maxwell. Um, we met in 2015 at the North American Bitcoin Conference, and uh, we came together over a project. Um, Max at the time was working on CureCoin, and my son was working on a project uh, that involved rendering graphics. And I noticed there was a correlation between all the heat that was generated um, you know, from rendering these graphics, and it seemed a lot like proof of work. So I initially came together with Max because he was working on this protein folding project. And I talked to him about the idea of a concept called RenderCoin, wherein, you know, people would do uh, rendering of graphics in exchange for, um, you know, like maybe movie tickets or things that the entertainment industry would uh, deem appropriate for compensating people for doing, you know, this action. So he gave me this brilliant uh, write-up in an email that I actually read, and it was really hard for me to get through. And uh, I couldn't believe he was just a high school student. So um, that's kind of how we came together, Um, and that was kind of the genesis of the project. And I'll I'll turn it over to Max. He can kind of pick it up from there. Max, if you want to take it?
3: Sure. Um, So that idea, we ended up scrapping the idea for RenderCoin, but we kept working together. um, And we, we started working on a project that we called Blockchain of Custody which was a a solution for using the blockchain to basically immortalize uh, digital records from police lapel cameras or dash cams or 911 phone calls or insurance agency photos and recordings or whatever, any sort of digital file, digital evidence, being able to timestamp that to the Bitcoin blockchain and ensure that no one could manipulate it after it was uh, created. And so through working through that project, we started thinking about Uh, more what can actually be done with that technology, what you can actually do when you're able to immortalize data. And uh, and we started thinking, you know, a blockchain is really just digital data at the end of the day. And so that's where the the genesis of the idea for Veriblock came from. We had a a 12-hour phone call where we started asking, you know, what if you could do the same thing for a blockchain? What if you could timestamp blockchains to something like Bitcoin? That's very, very highly secure. And then the question became, well, how would you do that in a way that adheres to the ethos of blockchains themselves, you know, being decentralized, trustless, transparent, permissionless, uh, something that we coin as uh, the term DTTP, sort of the core attributes of, you know, open source blockchain projects that gain wide adoption and people can feel confident in using. And so that sort of series of questions led to us uh, developing the idea for the Veriblock blockchain, which is a way for people to, for... Effectively, a new form of mining to be created that allows a blockchain to incentivize its users to secure it to another blockchain like Bitcoin. Uh, so I'll hand it back over to you, Justin. Yeah, it was actually
2: an interesting point. Um, the I was working. I'd also at the same time I met uh, Max. I had met Flip Filipkowski and, and Matt Rosack at the same conference. So um, all the while on the side, I was kind of working with Flip, betting deals and stuff looking at different things getting to know him pretty well and uh I had asked him I said you know what do you think about this idea of blockchain custody at the time and uh he said you know I love it I think it's great and uh I, I want to be involved so Flip kind of came on board as a uh as an anchoring founder and that he really opened a lot of doors in the space and really gave us a a lot of inertia to make the contacts and connections and and gain the traction that we have so it's been a it's been a long journey but um yeah the uh you know, the concept of proof of proof and then, you know, solving the problem was how does a blockchain secure itself? Uh, the, the conundrum was when we, if you remember, Max, during the phone calls, many of them, uh, you know, we thought, gosh, you know, what if a, a blockchain could just secure itself? And that's when Max kind of educated me on the concept of the idea that um, a public, key, a public uh, blockchain can't hold the private key because everybody would just snarf up uh, any of the money. That's in that wallet. You know, in a perfect world, the blockchain could launch with its own ability to acquire uh, Bitcoin and then secure itself to Bitcoin and operate autonomously. It would be divine. But we, it was just impossible to solve. We couldn't figure out how to do it. So um, we kind of went around it and came up with a, a, a solution, which we, we term as proof of proof. Um, so do you have any questions, Juliet, in regards to how the tech works or anything specific? I mean, yeah, that would that would be
1: my next. No, no, you're all these all these are great are great answers. Um, I, I was wondering if you could go into more detail of actually what proof of proof is and how it works for people who might not be familiar.
3: Max, you want to take a uh, you want to do a a tech dive on that? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> so, um, like Justin was mentioning earlier. What, Part of the problem we were trying to solve when we eventually ended up coming up with proof of proof was, you know, a blockchain can't hold a private key. It couldn't arbitrarily, as part of the protocol's functionality, make transactions on Bitcoin. Not only does it not have a way to communicate with Bitcoin directly, but it also, more pressingly, it doesn't have the ability to keep any data private. It can't, um it can't sign Bitcoin transactions that kind of timestamp or encapsulate its current state because who's going to be running that. The protocol is just a set of rules that everyone agrees to follow. And you can't have a, a private key anywhere in there that everyone just agrees to sign a message with and not steal the money. So that doesn't work. And so <laughs> the solution we came up to that was something called proof of proof. And so a little bit of background first. Uh, every single blockchain in the world, every public blockchain at least, um, has some sort of security mechanism. And that security mechanism functions because the blockchain is able to incentivize people to do something on its behalf that the blockchain itself can't do, you know, a blockchain isn't a living breathing thing, it is a, a set of protocol rules that everyone agrees to adhere to and it's a way to look at data and generate data. And so, for example, Bitcoin provides a block reward in addition to transaction fees to people who uh, do proof of work mining, which means they basically in summary solve a, a hard math problem that's hard to solve but easy to verify, whereas proof of stake miners will Uh, construct a block and then prove that they had the um, correct stake in the network to be able to do so and that it's been left untouched for a long enough period of time and et cetera, et cetera. And so all of these, it's getting humans to do something on behalf of the blockchain that the blockchain can't do itself. And so proof of proof is no different. What proof of proof does is it incentivizes users to capture the current state of the blockchain as they themselves see it at some point in time. And then on their own, uh, using their own private keys, which they themselves can hold for Bitcoin they create a Bitcoin transaction, they put it on the Bitcoin network, and that allows them to then secure the blockchain that they're securing because that blockchain has now been timestamped to Bitcoin. And then they construct basically a mathematical receipt of having done so and bring it back down to the the blockchain that's inheriting Bitcoin's security. And for doing so, they they get a reward just like proof-of-work miners on Bitcoin receive. And so that that was the the idea for proof-of-proof. And then we started asking, well, can we make it more efficient? You know, how can we make it so that, you know, we have all these people, all these proof-of-proof miners who, just like proof-of-work miners, they're completely permissionless. They can enter and leave at any point in time. There are several of them doing the same process concurrently. You know, is there a way to sort of – because one of the things we talked about with uh, – or that we had gone over with Blockchain of Custody was the idea of data aggregation, right? Being able to say, you know, if I have 10,000 records, I can put them all into a Merkle tree. And I can just publish the Merkle root to Bitcoin. That's a basically I, I got a set of data and I kind of compressed it in a way. I, I summarized it in such a way that it still contains all of those elements, and I can prove that each of those elements is part of that small piece of data. I published to Bitcoin, but I don't need to publish all the data itself. And so we asked, you know, could we do something similar with proof of proof? Could we do something similar with that security inheritance from Bitcoin? And so that's where it then turned into what we're working on today, which is the VeriBlock blockchain that itself is secured to Bitcoin right. and then acts as that efficiency, that aggregation layer that allows other blockchains to secure themselves to Bitcoin in a much more cost-effective and easy-to-use manner. So that was sort of the, the genesis and timeline of the, the idea.
1: And it sounds so, that sounds like it's also a very secure system.
2: So if you look at the um, computational power of Bitcoin, uh, rather the computational uh, hashing power that's spent uh, or used to secure Bitcoin, it's, it's quite substantial. I mean, we've heard a lot of things in the press about, you know, as much electricity as all of Ireland or Peru or, you know, take a country or more than 500 of the world's top supercomputers combined. So you've got all this hashing power, um, which I won't go into a, a deep dive on why I feel proof of work is, is essential. Um, and that a lot of that power that we're seeing move toward Bitcoin is really a diversion away from legacy systems toward a more efficient model of, of securing digital data. Um, that's kind of a separate debate that we probably wouldn't try to have in the call, but we're very passionate about that. <laughs> we believe that Bitcoin's going to continue to grow for that reason. So if you look at all this computational power, um, it's extraordinarily uh, secure in that and I'll give a quick analogy, if I may, it's something that um, we've been kind of playing with that's it's kind of helped express the idea of why we think proof of work is important. You know, picture yourself, uh, you, bowl, you bore a hole in the ground, I don't know, a you know, thousand meters deep, whatever it is. Just metaphorically, you've drilled, you've bored a hole in the ground, and you've got an artifact you want to secure. So you, you, you take this artifact and you drop it into the hole, and then you pour a layer of cement on it. And it might take, you know, 10 minutes for the cement to harden. And then, you know, you can drop another artifact down the hole and you can continue to do this. And as you do this, that that cement stack, right, that height gets higher and higher and higher. Thus, if somebody wants to go and get to your original artifact, they have to drill through all those other layers of concrete that have hardened above you, Mm -hmm. your original artifact. Um, And what's interesting about uh, proof of work is that, you know, you pay for it once and it continues to get more secure every 10 minutes, at least in Bitcoin's case. So... When because you you're look at constantly a,
1: adding another layer of concrete.
2: That's in right. A sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And, or in the case of Bitcoin, it's probably closer to steel. So you're pouring like molten steel, and mm. it's you know it's cooling. Um, and you know some other blockchains, you know they may use the same metaphor. And when you look down the hole, it's like there's just feathers down there, right? And they just keep, you know, <laughs> the, maybe there's like you know rice or you know or Cheerios, or whatever. And they stack that up, and then you're like, well, gosh, you know. There's a stick of bubble gum at the bottom of that hole. Do I really want to dig through all those feathers to get a free stick of bubble gum? It's probably still not worth it. So mm-hmm. the way we kind of see it is a blockchain is only secure, uh, you know, it, when you look at the is it, what it, what it's spending on its security, right? So if you look at the amount of of, of hashing power, I'm sorry, the um, hashing capability and security that Bitcoin's acquired, it's the gold standard. Um, and you know, what if you could take all that and you could harness it? Well, you get a really beautiful uh, convection current of value in that you know, blockchains would inevitably that, that, that seek the security kind of funnel up into Bitcoin, getting, harnessing that power. And by proxy, you know, bit, there's going to be more transaction fees and Bitcoin miners are going to be more apt to, want to, to mine. And then if they're more apt to mine, it's going to attract more power. So now instead mm-hmm. of Bitcoin competing with all chains through a cooperative effort, Bitcoin becomes green. Blockchains can do you know, can operate autonomously while getting the full security of Bitcoin. And they now complement each other. And there's a beautiful convection current of value that circulates through the ecosystem, thus making proof of work extraordinarily efficient because it can secure the world's blockchains now. So it's a big idea, we think.
1: Yeah, and I think that security is at the forefront of everyone's mind when dealing with cryptocurrencies. Because if you're not fully, you know, in it, and this is your world, it can get confusing and the number one thing that chases people away is the fact that it's not as secure as, say, a bank in their mind or tangible cash. So this is actually gonna help people adopt cryptocurrencies and blockchains more efficiently because they'll be able to understand it and feel secure.
2: Yeah, we kind of see Bitcoin as is kind of like a moniker of like Intel, you know, like if you see Intel inside, right? Or um, you know, it's kind of a moniker of security and, and Bitcoin's uh, Bitcoin can secure these other blockchains, and then they can wear that brand. Um, so I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Max, and let you speak to, um, from the security perspective, the value proposition for exchanges and why, like, you know, like Bitrix is involved in the benefit that they stand uh, to get from this technology. I'll turn that over. Sure. So without doing a,
3: a super deep dive, uh, the way that Proof of Proof functions with these publications is that... Uh, You know, as the blockchain is being built, as new blocks are being added to the alt chain that's inheriting Bitcoin security, uh, their proof-of-proof miners are continuously publishing information regarding their blockchain's current state up to Bitcoin. And then um, when we talk about security, we're talking about things like double spends, people forking the blockchain, people being able to rewrite history, right? And so when a blockchain's history is challenged, it's able to reference its previous sort of state that's stored on Bitcoin and the only way that a, a alternative history could be accepted as valid is if that alternative history was also timestamped to bitcoin in a timely manner compared to the currently known version of that blockchain and so that publication forces any attack against the altchain chain to basically come out into the public and announce what they're doing uh, because they need to get into those bitcoin blocks in order to have a chance at actually rewriting the altchain's chain's history and so, because they're doing that, it opens up a lot of opportunities for early attack detection, where you can build out metrics for exchanges, for merchants, for regular users, even uh, that looks at the Bitcoin blockchain, looks at the VeriBlock blockchain, and it sees what sort of publications are occurring on it that may be announcements of a potential alternative history, and that can happen benignly when you know the network simply forks momentarily because two proof-of-work miners both make a block at the, uh, roughly the same time or something similar. Or it can be uh, an indicator of something malicious an intentional rewriting of history or an attempt to do so and so all of those whether benign or malicious they're brought out into daylight they're publicly visible for anyone who's paying attention and so part of what we're doing uh, with exchanges and merchants and uh, we partnered with Bill at Bittrex to help uh, decide what these metrics should look like how they should get deployed um, how exchanges want to be able to interact with these tools Uh, we can build out these these tools that give this early attack detection information to the exchanges so that normally they can accept confirmations on a network with just a few blocks of Bitcoin security on top of them. But in the event that there is a potential risk in the future for a a fork occurring at a certain block height, the exchange or the merchant or whoever knows, oh, there's some unresolved um, contention here over what transactions are actually valid or not valid on on the blockchain. And so then they know that they need to wait perhaps another 30 minutes or 10 minutes or an hour until that issue is resolved before they continue accepting deposits. So instead of just, like everyone today, rules of, you know, wait X number of confirmations on a blockchain, right? If I send you Litecoin or Ethereum or Bitcoin, people generally have a number, which is based on the value being transferred, of course. But they generally have a number that they look for, of you know. I won't accept something until I see five confirmations in my wallet or something. And so this makes it so there's less of a hard number that we just assume is good and instead gives us a number that we know is good. So we'll say given current network conditions now, we know three confirmations, for example, on this network are enough to accept that deposit because it's secured with the full power of Bitcoin. Or maybe we need to wait for six or seven or eight because right now there is contention on the network and these transactions are at a higher risk of uh, becoming invalid. And so... Being able to give that actual correct number to people at a certain point in time or be able to say this transaction is currently secured with either the native alt chain security, Fairblock's proof of work security, Bitcoin's full proof of work security, being able to say at any point in time how secure a transaction is allows people to make that exchanges, merchants, users to make informed decisions about whether they do or do not accept a payment um, or how long they wait before they consider that payment valid.
1: You're, so, yeah, you're taking a yeah, little bit of the guesswork out of it and making them feel secure and able to actually tackle more things because they're not sitting there hoping and wishing that everything is going smoothly.
3: Exactly. And so that's instead of saying, well, you know, I, I waited 20 minutes, it should be good, you say, I know this is secure with the full power of Bitcoin. And if someone were to change mm-hmm. this transaction, they would have to fork Bitcoin itself. And I trust that as an adequate security level. So And
2: that's... Just kind of in summary, you know, that you know when you when you look at the detail- there's obviously the detail aspect of um, you know how the exchanges benefit, but um, there's certainly now a motivation for um, we're getting contacted by a lot of different blockchains, our queue is kind of stacking up um, because what happens is 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 um as blockchains inherit bitcoin security, we believe that that's going to allow uh, more proliferation of blockchains and that they're not going to be having to compete with each other to get miners per se they can just mm-hmm you know, easily adopt uh, Bitcoin security. And what's kind of neat about the way it works is that, you know, say say a blockchain launches, you know, it may not have a huge following yet. It hasn't really, you know, gained its network and built it out yet. It's, you know, kind of a nascent chain. And in that case, you know, they can subscribe to the to the model, get the Bitcoin security, and they can focus on their service or, their, or what it is that they're trying to do as a blockchain, whatever they're unique value proposition is. Because sometimes there's some good ideas and then, you know, these networks get attacked or messed with. Um, But now, at least if that happens, you don't have to worry about your your money disappearing or a double spend occurring. So it brings a lot more stability to the ecosystem, which is good for exchanges. It's good for users. It's good for the blockchain. And it's also good for uh, Bitcoin as well. So everybody wins in the equation. Uh, A lot of different solutions that are out there, um, you know, some of them can be uh, controversial or, you know, people say this or that. But in, in the case of what we're doing, what we're proud about is the fact that, you know, it's, it's really kind of a unifying technology. It's an infrastructure technology, and it lends itself to giving, you know, the broadest. It, it's got, it's got a, a, a wide audience of acceptance um, because we really complement many of the different aspects of the ecosystem. So it's really exciting. So now blockchain can be motivated to use the technology because, you know, they're going to be treated more favorably with exchanges because exchanges can have a higher level of uh, trust for a given blockchain. Um, and that's a huge value proposition for a community blockchain because, you know, they're going to be less prone to being delisted because of double spend attacks happening and all these other things that, that can occur uh, in, a, uh, in an ever-changing landscape in the blockchain space. So, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of neat stuff that's going to um, come out of this tech, and you guys are going to be hearing a lot. Uh, your listeners are going to be hearing a lot about uh, Veriblock and Proof of Proof in the, in the next uh, year, year and a half. A lot of good things
1: happening. Yeah, I love, I love the, the honing in on the security aspect because that, I feel, is at the basis of the distrust of this entire network of, of cryptocurrency and everything. And when you take that away you open up a whole new world for, for people who want to get involved.
2: Absolutely. They can feel a lot more, they can definitely feel a lot more secure. Um, And and even if it's at the, if if it's at the lowest layer, right? So for example, um, you know, my, my, my mom wants to get on uh, a blockchain because she thinks it's neat for what she's doing. And I normally say, gosh, you know, how much security do they have? You know, they've been attacked. And if she, she told me now that, Oh, it's, well, it's secured by Bitcoin, you know, I think once people kind of identify that you know Bitcoin's the gold standard of security, and you can adopt that, and your blockchain's supported by that, then you just know you're safe—at least as safe as Bitcoin. And exactly. um, actually, Max, w- would you make the argument you're actually safer than Bitcoin?
3: Yeah, it, it's sort of a, um, a a judo move in a way of you know you're inheriting Bitcoin security, but you're also getting the proof of work security of the VeriBlock blockchain and your own native consensus security. Which means that you know if someone were to attack your chain. Uh, in, in a lot of scenarios, they would have to attack Bitcoin and Veriblock and your native consensus simultaneously, which is actually even more difficult than attacking just Bitcoin itself. So in a lot of uh, cases, the, the inheriting blockchain actually does have more security than Bitcoin uh, for transactions that have reached a certain confirmation threshold because of the extra work involved beyond just forking Bitcoin that would be required to attack them.
2: So, Juliet, exactly. it's almost kind of like... a like a remora fish on it this is justin it's almost like a remora fish on a shark right the remora swimming by itself might might be vulnerable but when it latches onto the shark if you want to go eat that remora you're gonna to have to go through the shark <laughs> as well so
1: i love that analogy and that, that and one. that's yeah i know that that makes a lot of sense so where do you see well, i mean this this sounds like it's going to get bigger and bigger so where do you where do you see vera block you know in the coming years
2: um, me personally, I think it could be a, um, I think it's, I think it's based on the, the team that we've attracted. You know, we've got all the right strategic partners. You know, if you've got the exchanges, you've got a, a Bitcoin core developer, um, you've got people like uh co-founder of Ethereum. You know, when you get these types of names behind your project, um, they think really highly of Max and his talent. I think, uh, people are going to, you know, hear a lot more about him. So I think we've got all the right ingredients to make a, uh, to make a really successful project, and I think it's one of these things that you know once it gets momentum, it gets mo- more momentum it It kind of becomes a snowball effect because um, you know and i 'll let Max speak to the details, but as as you roll out uh, as we, as we integrate blockchains, you know we we um, we have a byproduct of of library and in, in that we create libraries, and these libraries make it easier and easier for blockchains to adopt the technology so as we as we able as we're able to reduce that adoption friction. Uh, it's going to. We believe it's going to accelerate, and it, it could become kind of a norm, particularly for startup or nascent blockchains, um, intermediary blockchains. And um, we think the technology is going to continue to scale and grow. We've
3: got the right team for it, certainly. And just to add on to that, real quick, uh, this is Max. One of the other things that it helps, uh, as far as the unifying message for the community, um, it's not just you know startup blockchains that might want to use this. A lot of blockchains that are using alternative consensus protocols like proof of stake or another one we're excited about called Proof of Capacity, which uses hard drives for mining, Uh, those consensus protocols suffer from something called weak subjectivity. And uh, being able to inherit Bitcoin's full proof-of-work security uh, quells a lot of the criticisms that they may have previously been receiving for uh, some of the shortcomings of those consensus protocols when used on their own.
0: The bigger blockchains that
3: do want to try to adopt proof-of-stake might see Veriblock and Proof of Proof as a, a nice way to Get rid of the last of the holes in uh, the consensus mechanism that they're wanting to use that's either lower energy or has uh, rewards that go out to uh, miners who have different economic stake in the system or whatever it may be
2: that, that, That's an excellent point. Uh, in summary, you know we don't complement existing uh, consensus protocols or rather we don't conflict with existing consensus protocols. we complement them. so for example if uh, if drive chains wants to proliferate. So you know, this would be a mechanism uh, to offer security. Proof of stake. Uh, you know, it could be secured additionally with with Bitcoin. So we don't really step on the toes of these other technologies. We serve to complement them. And um, and from the green narrative, there's a technology that I think you're going to hear a lot about in um, something, Max, and I absolutely love. And uh, you're going to do a, you're going to be releasing a white paper on on this, right, Max, on uh, proof of capacity.
3: Oh uh, yeah, sometime in the
2: first half of this year, probably. I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, Juliette, is there something specific you want to drive toward as we go into the close?
1: Uh, no, you guys have done a fantastic job, and I love having you on. I was just going to yeah, wrap it up with you know, what's the best place for people to find you? How can we connect with you?
2: So, uh, Max, I'll let you take that one. You dialed in on the social.
3: Uh, sure. So um, our community website for the blockchain project itself is V E R I D L O C K V-E-R-I-B-L-O-C-K.org. Um, We also have a Telegram channel. We have a Bitcoin talk post. Uh, If you search for Veriblock Bitcoin talk, it'll come up. We have a Twitter at Veriblock. And we're also looking uh, as we launch our project and roll out to be introducing additional social media uh, points of contact as well.
1: Excellent. Well, so many exciting things coming up for Veriblock. Justin Fisher, Maxwell Sanchez, thank you so much for joining me today on Future Tech Podcast. It's been a pleasure.
2: Julia, thank you so much. Thank you.
1: All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast.
0: Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence,